Well, hey, everyone, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined in the studio today by Pastor Eric. Eric, today we're in week four in our series that we're calling The Pursuit. It's four out of 12 weeks. And before we get into today's topic, uh, which is all about the problem that we have with God and the thing that stands in the way of our relationship with God when we're talking about pursuing him. Before we get into all that, we got a lot to cover today. Why don't we just kind of catch us up to where we are in the series, what we've covered in the first few topics. Yeah, so we're on the fourth topic today, so that means that we covered uh, three, kind of the three um, introduction topics to the pursuit. And the first week we talked about uh, why why should a person pursue God? I mean, what's the what's the benefit? Isn't God just like angry at me and he's kind of the cosmic judge? Uh, but we found out that God is really uh, has a heart towards us. He loves us, and he's been pursuing us way before we ever started pursuing him. And, and then the second week, we talked about, okay, so how do we pursue God? How do we get to know him? It's through his word. It's, it's through his inspired, inerrant, infallible word, the Bible. And we, we brought up so much information, so much cool information about why you can trust the Bible. And then last week, we talked about how uh, God made all human beings in his image. And the implications behind that are just are amazing because we have these attributes that are that are similar to God's. Now we don't have all of God's attributes, but we have some where, you know, we can think, we can create, we can feel, we have emotions, you know, we can um, go out and 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 build things and have love and relationships. There's so much that it means that we're created in God's image. And and so we're kind of leaving off um, from last week on the high point that everything was was good and when human beings were created, but now we get to today's topic. Yeah, it's because it's not the Bible doesn't just tell us the good news. There's a lot of good news, and we're going to be getting into that in the next couple of lessons. But before we get into the good news, we really need to talk about the bad news because the Bible talks about this problem, this fundamental problem that every single one of us has when it comes to pursuing God and being in a relationship with God and experiencing the fullness of life that God wants for us and that Jesus came to bring us. The Bible talks about this problem called sin. Now, sin, it's just even a little bit funny today to even use the word because sin is a churchy word, and it's, not, it's almost something that's not acknowledged in our culture. I remember, Eric, a couple of years ago, I, was, I used to write my sermons. I, I used the, the Google app on my phone a lot where I would dictate into my phone uh, some of my ideas for the sermon. I would speak it into my, I would narrate it into my phone, and then you know, the phone would, would put it into text for me. And it was the funniest thing. It, Google didn't know the word sin. Whenever I said sin, it would... It would it would substitute all these other words, and it would happen every single time. I'd have to go in there and physically correct it. And then it dawned on me that I don't think that, I don't think this word is in the lexicon for mm. the Google people. I think that they, it was, it was almost like they were being passive aggressive about that word. They're like, no, we're not going to let this be a thing in our language. But it's not just that. It's not just that it's not a word. It's almost like our culture is has turned it into something different from what the Bible says that it is. Yeah, I think our culture would think about it like, what is sin? Sin is all the fun things out there in the world, right? You think about 
Las Vegas. It's called Sin City because every everything imaginable that is that is fun there, maybe in quotations fun, is there to go do. You can go explore all the pleasures that you want there. And I think that it reminds me of uh, if you ever saw the Simpsons episodes where they would give this depiction of, of hell, um, and that's where all the, the sinners go. And down there it was like this cool place where there were no rules and it was all fun and there were like these biker guys and they're playing pool with Satan and just having a grand old time. You know, <laughs> I think that's what people think about when they think about sin, but really there are consequences behind sin that I don't think anybody really will want to know. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. We, we should start with a biblical definition of sin. And here's the, the official pursue God definition of sin. You'll hear this a lot throughout this series. You'll hear this definition a lot in some of our other content at PursueGod.org. Here's our definition. Sin, according to the Bible, is going your own way. It's trusting and acting on your own opinions and feelings instead of on God's truth. I'm going to read that again because I think mm. people need to let that marinate a little bit. So it's going your own way. That's the simplest way to say it. It's just going your own way instead of God's way. Okay, But in a, a deeper dive, it's this. It's trusting and acting on your opinions and feelings rather than on God's, I guess you could say, opinions and feelings. Here's the difference is God's opinions and feelings mm -hmm. are the truth. Your opinions and feelings, and we're going to see this, your opinions and feelings aren't always the truth. And so when you, when you trust in your opinions and feelings above God's, when you act on your opinions and feelings instead of on God's, then you're sinning. You're going your own way. You're going against what God what God wants, what his best is for you. And the, the easiest example of this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, when it's talking about Adam and Eve and the very first sin in history. It says this, God created them and placed them in the Garden of Eden. He generously gave them all of the trees to eat from, except the tree in the very middle of the garden. And the, it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it was it was off limits. So Genesis 3, 1 through 6 says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Remember, he didn't actually say that. So Satan's being manipulative mm -hmm. here. And her response was, of course, you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman said, it's, she said, it's only the fruit from the tree in the very middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. And here's what the serpent said. You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so it says the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it, and then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Eric, there's a lot here to unpack. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would encourage yeah. people to open up their Bibles or their Bible apps and look at this for themselves. Let's spend a little time unpacking this passage. Yeah, the first thing that kind of stood out to me is how Satan twisted God's words. Mm -hmm. He he manipulated and um, kind of 
stated it in a wrong way so that he could fool her. It says he was the shrewdest being in the garden. Like he was, he was smart, smarter than human beings. Maybe you could say even more powerful. And so he, he influenced um, in a way that was greater than what they could even handle in a situation like this. And it, it reminds me of our week two lesson, how important it is to understand the truths about the Bible, to have the Bible correct, to believe that it is the foundation for where all of our faith comes from. And so this was true for Adam and Eve in the garden as well, that their foundation on how they were going to go out and live should have been God's word, and they shouldn't have wavered from it. But because of the the serpent and because of, you know, the 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 will of man being influenced by that they're led astray and that's that's still true today that's an application that can continue on in the ages yeah this is i think this is the first example in history of gaslighting right so the serpent comes and totally gaslights gaslighting is taking a scenario taking a situation and manipulating it and spinning it and spinning the truth Hmm. and that's kind of the whole idea and the reason it works is because It's because the enemy, Satan, the serpent is Satan here. Satan knows he's got to just appeal to our senses. He's got to make the lie look more attractive than the truth. And this is what he's trying to do here. It says there that the woman looked at the fruit and she said, boy, that looks, that does look delicious. And, and she thought about the wisdom it would give her. And, and so, so now what's happening is he's preying on, on her in, in essence, her freedoms, her liberty, like we saw last week, that God had said, you have liberty. I mean, he's not, God's not a mean God. He had given all the other fruit, which mm-hmm. was delicious and wonderful and abundant. It was abundant. He had given all this other fruit, and yet there was this forbidden fruit, right? Right, right in the middle. That was the one that now Satan is twisting the truth and trying to convince her that's the one she really wants. And, and that's how Satan works today. He, he, he appeals on the, on the basis of our freedom to act, right? Because God has given us liberty. He appeals to that, and he twists the truth to try to make the lie look better than the truth. And it worked. And it's interesting that the woman then convinced the man right? So we don't really know any mo- anymore. We just know that Adam was, uh, was apparently there or was around, hmm. mm-hmm. but, but it, doesn't, we, it doesn't tell us whether that was a long conversation, whether, you know, I've always thought it was interesting that God gave the command to Adam, but clearly from this passage, Eve knew about the commandment, mm-hmm. and now Satan is deceiving Eve, and then Adam isn't standing up saying, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Mm-hmm. I don't want to read too much into it, but that is interesting how, you know, God, I think, or Satan can use other people in our lives to be influencers. So Eve was an influencer now for Adam. I'm not blaming Eve. I, it's both of their fault. Yeah. And Adam, yeah. No, nobody, nobody just stopped and said, whoa, time out. How, how valuable is it in our lives to have people in our lives who would say, whoa, Oh, whoa, time out. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at what God said again. Let's stop and really think about this, and let's take a look at what God said. Eve didn't do it, Adam didn't do it, and sin entered the world. Yeah, I think a lot 
can be read into this story. I mean, people have always asked, like, why did God create it this way? You know, yeah. why did God put this one tree there that was forbidden? You know, like, and there are a lot of things that people have tried to answer, and they've gone out of Scripture to try to answer. Mm. And so that's that's one of uh, a word of wisdom that I could probably give is don't don't venture too far out of Scripture to answer things that aren't answered. Mm. There are things that we don't know about why God did things the way that He did. I mean, you could make all kinds of you know suggestions, or you could have opinions. But then remember back to our our uh, definition, right? The opinion, you know, we got starting to trust our own opinions. That's not to say that we can't have opinions. We should, but we should always align it, you know, going back to week two with God's truth. But it is interesting that um, Eve was the one that was cornered out and where was Adam at, right? And so if we take doctrine into um, consideration, we know that, you know, the man is supposed to be the spiritual leader of his wife and of his uh, his kids at home. And so you could say that, yes, he failed in this area. He mm-hmm. failed. Um, he failed to lead his family in understanding God's word, and he failed to lead his family in doing what was right and, and, and leading spiritually. And I think, you know, that, that really is a call for our generation, as every generation we keep talking about. Where are the where are the men mm. that are going to lead mm-hmm. in this situation? Where are the men that are going to say, um, I'm sick of sin. Um, I'm sick of, uh, you know, letting my family drift away. Mm. Uh, that's what this reminds me of. And, and let's just say this. Let's just be real. Um, sin is fun or can be fun <laughs> um, to a point. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be tempted to do it. Exactly. There must have been something really good about that fruit. It must have been shining or, you know, golden, <laughs> yeah. or it was just the most amazing apple or pomegranate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know what it was. We don't know what it was, but something good about it, and, and for them it was going to, you know, maybe give them this amazing knowledge, you know, and make them godlike. They would know the knowledge of good and evil and and so there's something enticing about sin itself that Satan uses because there is some kind of form of, of, of pleasure and, and fun in it, but the problem is, is that that's fleeting. It only lasts for a moment, and then it takes you to a place where you wish you never would have gone, yeah. and your life would have been a lot better uh, dealing with not having certain pleasures. Yeah, because here's the truth, and, and this really is the story of the Bible. You know, Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and the rest of the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, we see the results of sin mm-hmm. just over and over and over and over again. And here's the truth about it. Sin brings brokenness in every way. It breaks every single part of us, and it keeps us from experiencing the fullness of life that God wants for us. You know, in week one, we talked about one of the theme verses for this whole series is John 10, 10, where Jesus said the thief's purpose, and think of the serpent now, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said, my purpose is to give people a rich and satisfying life. Remember, that's Jesus's purpose. And we see in Genesis 3, the serpent's purpose. And we learned last week about this Imago Dei, that we were made in the image of God, which gives us value and worth. It gives everyone value and worth. And what happened when sin entered the world in Genesis 3 is that the image of, we're going to get a little theological here, Eric, the image of God 
was marred now. It doesn't mean we're not created in the image of God. It doesn't mean that because of Genesis 3 that we don't, that we don't have God's stamp on us anymore. We still, we're, we still, every human being is still created in the image of God. Genesis 9 even says that the reason that murder is wrong is because we are created in the image of God, mm-hmm. even after the fall. And so we still have the image of God, but the image of God is marred now. The image of God is imperfect in us, and, and sin now reigns in all of us. Sin now becomes a problem for every single human being. Yeah, it's the consequences of sin that passes down through all of, all of creation. You know, the, the theological term would be the fall. That's what it is called when, when the fall happened of mankind. It basically cursed the whole world and everything in it, the whole universe and everything in it. And so while we can still look out to the world and say there is still amazing beauty in God's creation, right? I still get to look at the stars, and I still get to see how the, you know, the, the, the planets um, rotate and, and swing around the sun, and, and just how the intricate the, the human eyeball is, and just looking out at creation, there's still a lot of God's beauty. It is still there, but it's, it's broken now, and this, this is where sickness and death comes from. This is where um, all of our, impe- our imperfections come from, and, and the things that we hate about life, it comes from the consequences of sin, of Adam and Eve, first and foremost, if you, you know, go on in, in chapter 3, you know, it talks about the consequences. Now you're going to have to, you know, the man's going to have to work the ground, and by the sweat of his brow, he's working through thorns and thistles, and that's how he's going to have to make a living. You know, I wonder how uh, work would have been before the fall. Mm. You know, you you would have had the perfect boss. You yeah. know, everything would work out properly, and yeah. people would be on time, and nobody would be <laughs> complaining. But now, yeah. we got all these thorns and thistles. We got to work through the problem. So, if you're wondering, maybe why you hate your job, <laughs> it's yeah. because of the fall. Yeah. But but it's not like he said now. Don't go. Don't continue to go and subdue the earth and fill it and multiply. Like we're sp- still supposed to go out and do the will of God, but it is broken, and he warned us, and he gave us the consequences, and th- the, the interesting thing, my wife just had a baby, you know, two and a half months ago, and that verse about the women, the woman's consequence was pain during childbirth, and we're just, we were like, we're really embracing that verse. <laughs> yeah, you know, were you? Hey, this is, hey, this is your thing to bear, honey. That's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> don't blame me. Don't, don't yell at me. Quit yeah. hitting me. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, how would have, how would, how, how was birth? I guess there was no birth before, uh, before the fall. Yeah. Nobody was born before the fall. But I wonder what it would have been like, you know, just been, a bloop or yeah, like a, you know, <laughs> they came out and you know, like in- instantly. Instantly 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so there we, there we go. We have some, que- some questions we'll have to answer on another video. Mm. But, you know, it's interesting to think about some of the lists, the sin lists in the Bible. You know, the result of sin. Here, If you're wondering, okay, what does the Bible say about what the sinful nature produces then? The New Testament gives us a list in Genesis or Galatians 5, starting in verse 19. Paul says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, I want to encourage the listeners to listen to this list and check off every one of these things that you've 
experienced in your own life. It's a really interesting list, Eric, because it's just very vast and broad. It covers all kinds of ground here. He says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Then in verse 20, he says idolatry, which I know some people might say, oh, I'm not an idol. I don't have any idols or figurines in my home. Well, whoa, hold on. I think you can idolize, you know, influencers and athletes and mm. and your own wealth and your yep. your own possessions so not too fast everybody sorcery and some people might be like well i'm not into sorcery <laughs> but okay so but so that first part of the list is is pretty intense and then listen to the next part of the list because mm-hmm. it maybe maybe you got to pass on some of that first part but look at it listen to the less next part hostility quarreling who hasn't quarreled Jealousy? Who has never been jealous? Outbursts of anger? I, I just did that on the way into the office today, right? Driving in the car. <laughs> Road rage. Selfish ambition? Dissension? Division? Envy? I mean, that list right there is so normal and so everyday. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying the 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 acts of the sinful nature. The sinful nature that is in each one of us naturally produces these things. And then he comes back to uh, some of the uglier stuff, you know, drunkenness, wild parties, and he says, and other sins like these. And then he says, let me tell you this again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, the sin city life, will not inherit Mm. the kingdom of God. So he's saying, this is a problem. This is a big deal. It's not a fun thing. It's not something to laugh about on The Simpsons. This is yeah. a big deal. Sin's a big deal. Yeah, I uh, have brought this list up to many people in groups before, and I'll always ask this question. Is anybody guilty of anything on this list? And, you know, most people raise their hand. And then, is anybody guilty of all the things on this list? <laughs> and I'll raise my hand and shock everybody. <laughs> wow, wow. And this isn't even a comprehensive list, but, yeah, Paul's getting at this. He's, he's trying to drill down on what's really wrong with humanity, is that these are the ugly things of us. Uh, these are the things that were uh, passed down in this nature. As, as, as we continue on in the, the Genesis theme for just a second, you know, after the fall is when they started, you know, procreating, and every human being, and the Bible says theologically every human being um, has sinned. We'll get into that, but every human being takes on this nature, and it's referred to often as the sinful nature or the flesh, and that's this list that Paul's talking about. This is called the, the desires of your sinful nature or the, the desires of the flesh, um, and our flesh, again, is, is marred, and now we have all this ugliness to us, this desire to do all of these things that we think are going to give us pleasure, but eventually lead to pain. I know that very well in my own life, chasing after these fleeting pleasures. Like, you know, I'll just pick one on there, sorcery again. We've talked about this before, but, but that, that word in the Greek is pharmakeia, which is the word where we get pharmacy from, which... You know, you could say that the reason why he brings that in there is because, you know, people were using drugs, um, and and in that context, you know, to to have visions, experiences, pleasures, orgies, to hear or think 
think that they were receiving something from other gods, you know, high and whacked out of their mind. I mean, and that's that's one of the things that I could say that that I got caught up in along with with drunkenness, but almost all these things on this list and event they all just lead to pain in this life. And if I don't take care of that problem, it would lead to an eternity of pain. Mm. And that's the scary thing. Mm. But even now, like a lot of people think and I talked about this in, in week one, everybody kind of thinks like a pursuit of God really only affects your eternity. But it also affects the here and now. The verse, John 10, 10, right? He came that we would have life and life abundantly or a rich and satisfying life. That's now. That's from here on out. Um, we could have that abundant life. That's what he wants for us. Well, the opposite then is true is we can also have a lot of terrible consequences, not just eternally, but also the here and now, all these problems that we face are because of sinful decisions, like that, that de- definition, acting and trusting on our own opinions, feelings, and ideas rather than God's truth. Sometimes we have to discipline ourselves to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refrain from doing this because I know what it will lead to, mm. and ultimately death and eternal death. Yeah, and like you said, Eric, this list in Galatians 5 isn't a comprehensive list. Paul Mm -hmm. even says it. He says, and these are, and more, and other sins, you know. But he's, the same author, Paul says it like this in Romans 1, verse 30. He says, people are backstabbers, they're haters of God, they're insolent, they're proud, they're boastful. And I love what he says next in that verse. They invent new ways of sinning. And isn't that so true that the reason that there's not a comprehensive list of sin anywhere in the Bible is because if we published the list, it would be out of date before it went to print Mm. because we invent new ways of sinning. I mean, sin is old, but sin can also be so new. And there's new ways, you know, the new technology, there's just new, we're, people are crafty, human beings are crafty. They're creative. You know, we're creating the image of God, so we're creative. And that that also then has led to being creative in terms of sinning. And I love what Paul says at the end of that verse. He says, after saying they invent new ways of sinning, backstabbers and haters of God and all this stuff, and he says, and they disobey their parents. I love mm. that he throws in just one more really practical, like, like basic fundamentals, even disobeying your parents. That's where it all starts. Yeah, really, because what it is, it, it, it really is, Eric, because what it is is it's saying, I'm when we disobey our parents in the Lord, what we're saying is, no, I'm going to elevate my own opinions and feelings above my parents. Mm. And, and parents are really, their job is to stand in for authorities to help represent God's authority to their kids so that, until the time when the kid can have a relationship with God for Fifth him or herself. right? Yeah. 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 The fifth commandment, you know, and the other thing about this, that um, Romans one thirty, where it says they invent new ways of sinning, it brings up this quote from John Calvin. He says that the human heart is a factory of, for making idols. Mm. We invent all kinds of different ways, and, and idols is just a... I think idolatry is probably the, the sin that kind of covers all sins, because when we... I. You could say that it's idolatry when I choose to put something above the priority of God. And so when I make a decision to sin, a lot of times that 
can enter into that topic of idolatry. And we, we just make up all kinds of new ways. And as we look out into the world right now, wouldn't you who are listening just agree as we look out to the world, there are so many ideas, opinions, and most of all, feelings. Feelings that are being elevated above truth now, and so everybody has their feelings, and you've heard that other saying about opinions. I'm not going to say it here on air. Everybody mm. has them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but feelings and opinions, and now what, what our culture and society has, has decided to do is say, well, in order to be loving, we've got to just affirm everybody's opinions and feelings over God's truth. And now we've become, you know, we've legislated and become a a society of sinful people that want to continue to help people uh, affirm and justify their sin and make up all kinds of new sins. Yeah, in the Old Testament, in the Judges period in the Old Testament, there's a statement there that really just jumps out at me, and it sounds so much like our culture today. It says that that they did everyone did whatever was right in their own eyes. And by the way, that was a bad thing, not a good thing. Everyone did whatever was right in their own eyes. When a culture gets to that place, when a society gets to that place where they're elevating their own opinions and feelings above a standard, above God's truth. I mean, the Ten Commandments are just an example. They're not, they're not, it's not a comprehensive list of what God wants. It's just a good sampling of what matters to God, right? Mm -hmm. Being in right relationship to God, the first four commandments. Being in right relationship to people, the last six commandments. It's just about loving God, loving people, loving yourself. That's what, that's what God wants for us. But again, when sin entered the world, when, when, when we've got a you know, billions of people in the world and everyone just follows their own way, that's just chaos. Mm. That's chaos. And so and so no it's no wonder that sin brings dissension and factions and all this stuff that we see in Paul's list. But I want to say one more thing about the doctrine of sin. And we're not really getting into great doctrinal content here, but I think it's important for us to be clear about the doctrine of sin. We're not saying that anyone is as bad as they could be. We're just saying that sin, in fact, infects every single part of us. The image of God is marred, and that means that sin is a poison that touches everything in us. It impacts our thinking. It impacts our relationships. It impacts our physical health. It impacts our finances on a personal level. I mean, I guess we could talk about what it impacts in the world. Anytime mm. you see you see natural disasters, that's the result of sin because mm-hmm. sin entered the world. And so even the world, even, even the environment is impacted by sin. That's what the Bible says about the impact of sin. But it's not to say that every human being is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. It, it's just to say that every, there are some human beings where sin is so cl- has so clearly gone to a place where everyone would conde- condemn it. But what the Bible says is that in every single human being, sin infects every part of us. And so it taints and mars every part of what makes you, you. So it's, it's a good example of that is a glass of lemonade. How many drops of poison are you comfortable having in your, drop, in your, lem- in your glass of lemonade? Well, a, any sane person would say zero drops of poison. Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> it's funny because I think about, um, you know, there's all kinds of crazy theories out there, which I believe in <laughs> uh -oh. some of them about like how unhealthy our food and some of our water is and stuff. And so I think <laughs> to some degree, people are like, ah, just don't tell me about it. <laughs> just don't tell me about it because yeah. I like the convenience. But no, I would agree that if you knew about it, you would be crazy to not do something about it. Well, yeah, you would yeah. say, I don't want any, like it, it in fact, that's the point is yeah. whether it's five drops, we're talking, I'm not talking about pollutants here, Eric. <laughs> that's for a different topic. We're talking about cyanide, okay? <laughs> like one, are you good with five drops or one drop? No, no, no drops, please. And that's the point is, is even just one drop of this mars all of us. And we all have more than one drop. But it's not like we're drinking a, a glass of cyanide. What we're saying, the, the, and the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that we still have the image of God. We're mm -hmm. still created in the image of God. There is good in all of us. That's why Christians fight for life, fight for liberty. Mm -hmm. Th that's why we believe the Creator has endowed us with these things, even though Genesis 3 happened, even though sin entered the world, but we're, we're all still just marred. And it impacts every single part of us. So just one more thing we need to cover as we're kind of talking about sin and the Bible and the doctrine of sin. So the Bible teaches that, you know, when you ask the question, well, who does this apply to? And, and it's really important for us to cover this. The Bible teaches that it applies to every single human being. We are all born into sin, every one of us. And therefore, we can't always trust our natural instincts. And, and that's why Jesus uses this language we're going to look at here in a little bit called being born again. We all have to be born again. But let's talk first about this idea of the doctrine of original sin and how every single human being is born into sin. It's not just that some of them then become sinners after, you know, after age eight, and, and some of them don't know. It's every... At, at conception, we're mm. all born into sin. Romans 3 says it like this, verse 10, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Now, Peter is quoting the Old Testament in that, and then he uses his own words here in verse, or sorry, this is Paul talking here. In verse uh, Romans three twenty three says, "For everyone has sinned; we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone, everyone." Yeah, for me, what that—that's something that I've always clung to—is is understanding my fallen nature, my human nature, my depravity. Uh, I can't always trust my feel. That kind of brings us back again to the definition: is I can't always trust my feelings and opinions and ideas because of that sin nature that we talked about, this desire to go another way, a selfish way, rather than God's way. And this is something that was born into me. And, and actually, then, not only do I not trust myself, I don't trust a whole lot of other people, too. You know this about me, Brian. I'm very <laughs> skeptical. Yeah. I'm very skeptical, skeptical of a lot of people, um, even you know, all the way up to, to government and everything, because I, I know the depravity of man, what they're capable of. And certainly, if people aren't um, saved from this and aren't born again, then 
they only have that nature to rely on. And it, so it makes me very skeptical of people's intentions. And as you say, not everybody's as bad as they could be, but certainly everybody has been infiltrated. Um, another good illustration about this would be cancer. Mm. And it's, it's something that um, we're all born with. It's this, this mar uh, on, on the human um, identity, the human, the physically, mentally, emotionally, and that invades us. And if we don't do something to get in there, do an operation to get in and cut it out, then we're all eventually headed towards death. And that's the sad thing. I, I know people who've had cancer, who've passed away. I know people now who have it. And it, it's just like, it's, it's got a lot of power. It's, it's something that we still haven't figured out a remedy for. We haven't figured out to, how to totally annihilate it because, because the Bible says that it's, it's something that is a consequence of the fall and sin. And there's really only one way to get rid of this, this spiritual cancer that we have in us, and it's to, to be completely changed from the inside out, to be born again, the Bible says. Uh, I did want to say one other verse that came to my mind was a uh, psalm. It was David whom himself says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, si in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, it's not talking about, like, his mom conceived him in a sinful way. It's saying that he's affirming this doctrine of original sin, that I was born this way, and so therefore every human being, that's what Paul's getting at in Romans, because Romans is probably the most theological book in the New Testament. What he's getting at is that every human being doesn't have an excuse. We all um, don't meet God's standard of righteousness because of this sin nature that we've inherited and we've acted upon from a very, very young age. Um, and even we were born with it. So we can't just say, well, um, I haven't done anything wrong, but and so, so why should I be guilty? No, we've all, even if we've tried to live as righteous as we possibly could, we've still missed the mark. And not even that, but also we were born with this. We're born separated from God, too. Yeah. Yeah, and let's think about the, your cancer metaphor. You know, if you have, can like you said, if you have cancer, in many cases you have to have surgery or maybe you, you get, mm. you know, chemotherapy or radiation or whatever. Yeah. There's all kinds of treatment methods. But here's, the, here's what is so brilliant about how Jesus talks about this. There's no surgery that can fix your cancer when it comes to your sin. There's no radiation. There's no chemo. This isn't something that can just be treated. What Jesus says, and he says this to, to Nicodemus, in, who's a Pharisee in, in John 3, 3. You know, Nicodemus is this Pharisee who's very interested. He's steeped in Old Testament understanding, but he's yet very interested in Jesus. He's like, there's something different about Jesus. So he has to come to Jesus at night. He's kind of got to sneak around a little bit because he doesn't mm. want to lose his job. And you can read about this in John chapter 3. And here's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He doesn't say, unless you have spiritual surgery, unless you take this medication mm. and start treating this. Mm -hmm. he, he, he's not saying, hey, you need, 
you need a little you need a kind of like a little bit of a 2.0 version here an or upgrade. you yeah. need a little bit of an upgrade or you need there's a couple things we need to tweak in you right no he <laughs> i love this image he says you have to be born again this is where the <laughs> phrase born again christian comes from if you've ever heard that the, but i love it i love i love what it's speaking to is we need a complete do over i mean what would that be like if if you could just be born again, if you had cancer and there was a way to just say, we're just going to start over. Yeah. Complete start over if, if, they, if we were able, if medicine was able to do it. But that's, we don't have that kind of a treatment. But this is, this is something we do have spiritually. Jesus has provided us a way to be born again. Now we'll talk about that more in the weeks ahead. But I think the point for now, I think it's important for us to re- remember that birth for every single one of us at birth there's just something wrong that yeah. image of god in all of us is marred in every single one of us and the solution jesus says to nicodemus is you have to be born again yeah the bible says that even we're dead we're dead in our sins mm. like we're, we're born like the walking dead and we need to be regenerated and and made alive spiritually alive to get over this sinful nature that we have because, you know, one of the things that we've talked about in this series is kind of the will of humans that was kind of uh, unadulterated before the fall. Now the question is, do I really have like ultimate free will to make decisions to do good or not do good? And I would say the Bible says, no, you're a slave to sin now human beings are slaves to sin therefore it is controlling you and it is it is also taken over your will you don't have the ability to actually you know paul goes on in, in romans but you don't actually have the ability the ability to do the good you want to do instead you end up doing the things you hate and that is sin in you and sin in me and it has to be dealt with not by worldly means, but by spiritual means. That's what Jesus is saying here. We need to be made alive. So that's topic four, the problem, the problem with the pursuit. And it's interesting, if you think of the 12 topics in this series, only one of them is the bad news. You know, 11 of them are good news. I really want people to hear that, that the Bible is filled with good news. It really is. It is filled with good news. Jesus wants to give us life. He wants to give us abundant life. But this topic is so important for people because if they don't realize that they have a problem, then they're not they're not going to be willing to go on to the next lesson and the next lesson after that. Next time, we're going to talk about who Jesus is because Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus is the solution to this whole sin problem. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll, we'll talk about the solution and our response to Jesus in topic six in a couple of weeks. So that one is probably, at some level, the most important lesson in this whole series, topic number six. But before we can talk about the solution that, that we can respond to and how we can be born again— we need to make sure to understand who Jesus is and what the early church understood about Jesus, what the early church taught about Jesus, because, spoiler alert, Jesus is the solution. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be next lesson. So make sure to join us.
Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.